and welcome everyone to another episode of my weird little podcast. Uh, we have Teresa in Acton, California. Yay! And we have me, Tia, here in Las Vegas, Sin City. Um, what are what are other nicknames for Las Vegas? Um, Sin City is the big one, of course. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh. We have this area called, the nickname is Naked City, because back in the 50s, that's where showgirls would sunbathe on their roofs, because that was, like, the residential area closest uh, to okay. the entertainment area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the area around the stratosphere, if you ever visit, uh, but it's also the most dangerous part of uh, Las Vegas, so um, be careful. Yeah, <laughs> it has the most crime. Like most of the crime in the city happens behind the stratosphere. Um, so yeah, wow. so let letting you know, you know, if you uh go to the stratosphere, uh, go during the day. Um, <laughs> what other nicknames? Are any other nicknames? I know. Like I'm just trying to think of some. I mean, gosh, I can't think of any. Um. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a gambling town uh, oh, yeah. more than anything Pat, else. Would you say gambling town? Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah. Pat said Glitter Gulch, <laughs> which is actually true. Um, so Fremont oh, right. Street okay. used to be known as Glitter Gulch. There was a, a, a strip club out there called Glitter Gulch during the 80s, but it was known that prior because all of the original casinos were all western themed and they had uh flashy incandescent light bulbs that looked glittery oh like the big marquee signs that were glittery um so yes glitter gold Mm -hmm. that is that is correct that never sleeps oh well yeah but that's been said also about new york city right like manhattan i don't know maybe los angeles yeah I don't know. But yeah, you could go with that one too. <laughs> I definitely sleep because I was asleep up until uh, 2.15 uh, with us needing to record our podcast at 2.30. <laughs> um, so well, I have nice. a very light amount of makeup on my face and pajama <laughs> bottoms on underneath the shirt. And I put on earrings like I was, like I had gotten up today and did something, yeah. you know, like I was like, uh, you know, uh, the more makeup you wear, the m- less tired you normally look, you know, and the more yeah. you kind of make it appear like you put yourself together. So, yeah, I did. I did put earrings on, even though I'm wearing pajama go- bottoms under this. But, you know, <laughs> who knows? Um, That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, oh. yeah, let's let's get into what we're talking about today i don't know what we're talking about actually you're surprising me with a story and i love surprises so much (laughs) (laughs) uh no i hate surprises i don't like getting surprise presents i don't like going surprise places um but surprise podcasts are cool this is awesome because i get to sleep 15 minutes before we do this (laughs) um you're right you're right. Although, yeah, the rest of my well, day is devoted to figuring yeah. out what our next podcasts are going to be on. Um, so that is 
that okay. is today. Um, but yeah, anyways, surprise me. Oh, that's good, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Surprise you. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, if, if you're gonna be asking me for things that I am interested or want to talk about on the podcast, my memory is going to go back to a certain town sometime. That town I know and love that I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Um, so I have, yep. <laughs> there are so many ghost stories out of Chicago, many that I've shared already uh, with us on different podcasts on this one and and our other podcasts. But, um, you know, not specifically that it had to be a ghost story, of course. But when mm -hmm. I was thinking of things like I hadn't talked about that I would like to talk about, this story came to my mind. And also, I was kind of reminded of it in different weird ways that I'll get into in a minute, uh, share briefly with you. Um, so today I am going to be talking, we're taking it to Chicago, Illinois, like I said, and um, we're going to be talking about the mysterious murder of Teresita Bassa and how uh, her ghost perhaps solved the crime of who killed her. Um, hmm. So... Yeah, it's it's one of these um, stories that, like I said, I've been thinking about for a while in the back of my mind, because mm -hmm. for anybody out there that watch Unsolved Mysteries, and if you're listening to our podcast, you probably love Unsolved Mysteries, like mm -hmm. most of us do. The original series with Robert Stack, of course, from the yeah. 80s and 90s. So um, I literally watch it every day. <laughs> it's so good. That's not even that. an exaggeration. I watch it every day. I like <laughs> going to sleep. That's what I put on to go to sleep. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, his voice uh, scares the hell out of some people, obviously yeah. to me, I do find it very soothing as well. Yeah. So the only problem <laughs> is like when I'm like right about to fall asleep and then I hear something that I'm like, Oh, that would make a good podcast. I either have to hope that I remember it in the, when I wake up, uh yeah or I have to like get on my phone and then I see what time it is then I see how late it is and then I get mm -hmm. on my phone and I have to type it in and then, <laughs> then I have like a whole anxiety attack for an hour and yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I hear you like there's there's a lot to be interested in in the world of unsolved mysteries right mm -hmm. so oh yeah like I said this this one stuck out to me because um I actually remember seeing the original episode when it aired. And for those out there who are curious when it was, to be precise, it was April 25th, 1990, when the episode first aired. So for me, I would have been, uh, let's see, like about nine, 10 years old at that time. Uh, so just goes to show you, yeah, I've been interested in this stuff for a long time. <laughs> I had no problem watching the unsolved mysteries, even though it was scary and creepy, oh, yeah. and I probably should have been scared out of my mind. I th I was some of the time, to be honest, but um, I still kept watching. So, um, nonetheless, I just want to share with you guys right now that I uh, have the DVD. <laughs> this is the DVD collection of Ghosts Volume One, uh, purchased at Best Buy for apparently nineteen ninety nine at wow. the time. Uh, now it would be like $5, probably, if even that. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but because you know i'm probably one of the only last persons to watch dvds because when my internet service isn't working very well i go back to my dvd collection oh yeah well i watch dvds too yeah uh, i have a mini dvd player that is like portable (laughs) dvd player that's my prized possession right now uh yeah and uh, I don't have a TV in my room. I don't know if you've noticed when I showed oh, my room that there is no TV okay. in here. Um, yeah. I don't want a TV on the wall because it would have to go where my glitter wallpaper is and that would totally mess it up. And so, yeah, I have a little, I either watch things on my phone or like I have a little DVD player, but there's yeah. a TV in the other room that has like yeah. Prime and Netflix and all that stuff on there. So, right, um, right. <laughs> but yeah, but no, I, I only have very few DVDs right now. I have like a lot of Lifetime movies. Yeah. Um, and then I have this movie called Paradise Hills with Emma Roberts. It's awesome. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. it. Anyways. That's no, that's not. <laughs> okay. Continue. Sorry. Your okay, story. No, you're yes. good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. No. Love for the DVDs out there that we still own and love. <laughs> I've got too many. Still, um, but yeah, so anyway, I started thinking about this story again and I got reminded of it oddly enough because our friend, you're my friend, uh, Jenny and her daughter were over one time mm-hmm. and <laughs> Moon was in my room, she was in my bedroom, she was playing around and she found a couple of DVDs. And um, oddly enough, this was one of them that she just happened to randomly pull out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, oh, my God, how how weird. She pulled out the ghost collection. I said, I love this one. You know, it's got um, this story on it. It's got um, the haunting that has happened at the Queen Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like a bunch of, of like the greatest hits kind of ghost stories from Unsolved mm-hmm. Mysteries. So. I, I started thinking about this particular story because, you know, from Chicago and was on my mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, it was one of the most bizarre and spooky stories that I ever heard on, uh, the ghost series of unsolved mysteries. So I just thought, Hey, you know, let me look into this a little bit more. I actually had looked at it over the years, but I kind of, um, put it aside for a while. I didn't forget about it, but I always thought to myself, you know, that would be a really interesting one to talk about on the podcast because I'm not alone in that. Because if you look up Teresita Bata and her murder, um, a lot of people are out there talking about it. And there's still actually a lot of theories and a lot of questions lingering as to kind of what happened um, with the whole thing. So um, and also, uh, her name is Teresita, which is actually a nickname of mine. <laughs> it's spelled the same way. Um, oh, wow. and people did, yeah, my family did call me that, uh, when I was younger, my grandmother did. I have it engraved on a necklace. So, uh, it's not really like a personal connection. It's just one of those, you know, coincidence things that I was like, oh, that's her name. That's cool. So, uh, well, unfortunately, not so cool for her because she got murdered savagely. But um, (laughs) (laughs) well, well, just an ironic coincidence. But 
um, we'll go on with the story. Um, so for those that don't know, um, like I said, her story is pretty bizarre. Um, if you want to get the, you know, Unsolved Mysteries uh, dramatized version of what happened, I definitely would recommend watching the episode. Um, you can just Google it. And I think there's a clip of it on YouTube. But, um, you know, if you are lucky enough, like I am, to own that DVD collection, you can watch the entire episode. Um, but it really, um, it really does a great job of providing uh, the most information on what happened. And even the, um, the co-creator of Unsolved Mysteries, the series, he said that Teresita Bata's murder uh, still ranks as one of the uh, show's top 10 creepiest cases ever profiled. Mm. So that's a pretty big deal, right? Um, so let's get started with the case. Uh, it almost went cold, and there were definitely mysterious circumstances that surrounded it. And I think the biggest question after you hear all of what I'm about to tell you is do you believe the paranormal aspects of this case? And do you think that they are true? Uh, because there's a big question mark to all of that. Of course, me being me, yes, I believe the paranormal aspects are true. Um, but it is, there's some doubts there. You know, there could be some doubts if you look at it very skeptically. Uh, so anyway, let's go on. Teresita was born in the Philippines in 1929. She graduated from Assumption College in Manila, and then she moved to the United States in the 1960s to study music at Indiana University, and she got a master's degree in music there. So her whole life, she was a great student, and she was very focused on music, but um, at some point after she moved to the, the United States and got the uh, master's degree in music, she kind of put that to the side for a moment and she went on to find work as a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital on the north side of Chicago, actually not very far from where I used to live in Andersonville right before I moved to L.A., so... Um, and Edgewater Hospital has a pretty interesting background as well for any Chicagoans out there or, you know, anybody who's interested in this story. Um, Edgewater Hospital was the birthplace of Hillary Clinton and John Wayne Gacy. Oh, and wow. it was, yeah. And they also said that Frank Sinatra apparently was a patient there at one time. Mm. Um, so the hospital no longer exists. It was raised um, not that long ago, actually. It was raised like a few years ago, but it was left empty for like years and years. Like when I lived in Andersonville, I could drive by it and you would see that there was just <clears throat> this humongous hospital structure, but nothing was happening um, inside. And that was because the hospital actually closed uh, in a very disreputable way, because they found out that all of these schemes had been going on, like related to fraud and malpractice and 
just a bunch of scandals. So um, if you want to know more about that, definitely look up Edgewater Hospital in Chicago and you can find out more about that. But um, focusing on this story, I just thought it was interesting to add that little bit of background that the hospital itself was just not considered such a good place after a while. So um, kind of kind of sketchy stuff happening there. Uh, now, today, it's condos. So I don't know, though, I'd be careful because <laughs> some shady stuff went on inside of that place. So yeah. if you're living in the in the condos today, I would probably be interested to see if there were any um, supernatural or paranormal things happening. Probably have already happened uh, to some people, I would imagine. Um, so anyway, just an interesting side note. But um, back to our Teresita. She lived in a high-rise apartment in Lincoln Park. Um, so not very close to Edgewater, but um, it was a, it's, you know, this was in the late 70s. It was Lincoln Park, a very nice neighborhood, considered very nice neighborhood today. I'm sure it was then, too. It really hasn't changed that much, to be honest with you. Um, but... Anyway, on the night of February 21st, 1977, she would be found nude, murdered, and also a strange victim of arson inside of her own apartment. So the firefighters were sent to her apartment after the neighbors noticed smoke coming from her floor. And when they got there inside, they found her nude body with a butcher knife stuck inside of her chest. And she was buried underneath a smoldering pile of clothes and a mattress. So all of this was burning on top of her. Um, and yeah, the rest of her apartment was totally burned. Um, so due to the nude body being found, the investigators at first thought it could have been a sexual assault crime as well yeah. as everything else. But when they conducted that autopsy, they had nothing to confirm that this was the case because there was zero evidence of any kind of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. It's just that her, her body was found naked. Um, her apartment had been ransacked and it did appear as though a struggle had occurred. Uh, the apartment was just kind of in shambles. And I did see, you, you can look it up, you know, if you're interested uh, to find pictures of uh, everything that happened. The best place for the pictures that I found was from the, um, it's another podcast uh, that started on, um, they wanted to talk about things that happened at the old Edgewater Hospital. So the podcast is called If the Walls Could Talk. And that's Ooh. a fairly new, yeah, that's a fairly new podcast. And um, it was just started up, I think, a couple of years ago. I had been following it for a while because, like I said, I was interested in this case and everything that happened. So um, if you go to their uh, website, you can see they have some very good pictures of <laughs> what the inside of Teresita's apartment looked like after uh, the fire and um, some other pictures that you may be interested in. Mm -hmm. So go to that website if you're interested in that. Um, 
So where was I? Yeah, due to the extreme damage from the fire, unfortunately, the investigators could find few clues. But they did find one clue that was not very interesting to them at the time. They kind of discounted it, but it would become very interesting later on. So Teresita kept a little journal or a diary uh, in the apartment. And inside, she had written the words, get theater tickets for AF, initials AF. Hmm. But that's that's all it said. So they didn't know who AS was, if it was a person, if it was, you know, an event, whatever it was. But like I said, they didn't make much of it because that was literally the only clue that they had to go on because Mm -hmm. the apartment, like I said, was so badly burned and they couldn't make any connections as to what might have happened. So with no real leads to go on, Uh, Her case went cold for about six months. They didn't have any information. But uh, six months later, uh, in August 1977, the detectives were hopeful that they finally got a break in the case because they received a tip from the nearby Evanston Police Department. Evanston is just north of the area that Teresita uh, was living in, or I'm sorry, that the hospital was in, in Edgewater. Mm. Um, but Evanston actually is like where I grew up. It's it's like Oak Park. It's more of a suburb of Chicago to the north. Mm-hmm. So it's not actually Chicago. But anyway, um, they got the tip from the Evanston Police Department uh, that a man named Dr. Jose Chua and his wife, Remibia, and she was called Remy, uh, for short, that they had shocking information on who may have killed Teresita. So this is the point in the story where the case gets pretty creepy. Um, Jose Chua had told the police that Remy had been experiencing strange paranormal episodes that A few times now, Remy had apparently been possessed by the spirit of Teresita Bassa. And -hmm. this is the part in the story where if you're watching the Unsolved Mystery episode like I was when I was super young, um, it's where you get completely creeped out (laughs) because they show the reenactment of it happening. And it's just really weird, of course. Uh, You know, I mean, in the best way possible if we are all into this type of thing, which most of us are, if we're listening. Um, But it it still creeps you the F out. So so the first time that it happened, apparently Remy goes to nap, but she winds up having dreams of Teresita visiting her and telling her important information about exactly who killed her, how, and why. And um, she would have this episode, Jose said, and she would go into this trance-like state and she would begin to speak in Tagalog, which, if you don't know, that is the native language of the Philippines. So um, it was, I guess, Teresita, obviously being directly from there, she would speak it Mm -hmm. along with English and for everyday life. But... 
Jose said that Remy knew some Tagalog, but she didn't know enough to speak in the complete sentences the way that she was speaking. And that it also didn't sound like her. Like the voice sounded completely different. And mm. so he was totally bewildered. He didn't know what to make of this. Um, and when she was in the trance at first, she was quoted by him as saying to him, his wife was saying to him, but as Teresita, doctor, I would like to ask you for your help. The man who murdered wow. me is still at large. Wow. Yeah. And then um, her spirit was supposed to have gone on to say that Alan, a man named Alan Showery was her killer. So think back to the notes that they found inside of her journal, her diary. Oh, it said, yeah. Get theater tickets for AS. AS is probably Alan Showery. Mm -hmm. uh, but nobody had any idea of any of these details or how they fit in or made sense with anything. And then after the first trance that his wife went into, um, Jose Chua said that uh, when his wife woke up, he told her about this and that she was just, just like kind of blank face. Like she had no idea what had happened um, um, and that, you know, she couldn't provide him as to any explanation why she said the thing she did or what had happened. So, you know, that's, that's pretty creepy, right? So, um, so Jose, he, like I said, he was bewildered. He just didn't know what to make of it all. And um, he would give this testimony that I'm about to quote to you at a pretrial hearing. He said, I was really surprised and scared when I asked her name and she answered, I am Teresita Bassa. But she told me I had nothing to be scared of. She was really pleading for me to help her solve her murder. So, you know, wow. Jose, yeah. <laughs> Jose was just, you know, he really didn't know what to do because being a doctor, uh, being a medical doctor, he was extremely skeptical. And of course he didn't want to believe it, you know, mm -hmm. um, and he just didn't know what to do. So at first he ignored uh, the spirit's pleas until about a week later when Remy became possessed again. And at that time, the spirit was angry with Jose that he had not contacted the police yet. And Jose <laughs> said he couldn't believe what he was doing, but he you know, tried as best he could to compose himself and talk to this spirit. And mm -hmm. he said, um, well, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable going to the police because I don't have any proof of anything that you say that this happened. Um, and the spirit said, well, that's okay. You know, I, I can give you proof. Don't worry about that. So at that point, um, the spirit through through Remy said that um, that Alan had stolen jewelry from Teresita's apartment and given it to his girlfriend after all of this happened. And that she even went further to go on and say, well, 
I can provide the names and the phone numbers of the family members who can confirm that this jewelry was stolen from me. They'll, oh, they'll wow. be able to identify it. Yeah. Uh, so that's what he claims that, that she said. Um, so after that, Jose said to himself, okay, well, I feel like I can finally go to the police now. I have something concrete, mm-hmm. uh, physical evidence, physical proof that I can share with them. And I know this story seems really crazy and really out there, but maybe they'll believe me at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did, like I say, go to the police with the information. And of course, when the police were presented with it, yes, they obviously thought it was bizarre. Um, but when they presented it to the detectives in Chicago that had been working on the case for months, those detectives were willing to at least follow it up because, like I said, they had nothing else to go on. So they thought, well, maybe, you know, let's mm. let's see what happens. So they followed up with it. They found out that Alan Showery was an orderly who worked at the Edgewater Hospital. And he also worked in the same department as Rosita Bafa. Mm. Uh, and actually, Remy, Remy Chua, the woman who uh, claimed that Teresita possessed her body, she also worked in the same department as Teresita. They were both respiratory therapists, although they weren't really known to be friends or even acquaintances, uh, just that they kind of worked in the same department. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, something interesting to note, but but for Alan Showery, um, allegedly Teresita knew that he was kind of struggling really financially in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. uh, she was said to be giving him little jobs to do and then kind of giving him these very generous gratuities uh, yeah. as a way to yeah. say thank you. So he was kind of doing odd jobs for her, it sounds like. Um, and. The night that she was murdered, apparently he was going over there to fix her television set. He told her he could do that. Um, and he says he told the police at first that when he got there, um, he went to go be ready to fix the TV set. But then he didn't have the right tools with him. So he had to leave the apartment. And he said that when he was going to come back, that he had intentions to rob her. But he said he never um, at first said anything about, yes, I killed her. It was me. Uh, He Mm -hmm. kind of denied that any of that happened. But he also lived nearby. So that was something that the detectives would find out, that he lived nearby. Um, So it was only after... um, the family members I were able to identify the jewelry uh, that was missing. Um, and his girlfriend, Alan Showery's girlfriend, confessed to the police that, yes, I have received jewelry from him pretty recently. And he told me it was a late Christmas gift. Um, and like I said, the family members identified it was a jade pendant and this pearl ring and they said, oh, yeah, that definitely belonged to Teresita. So after Alan Showery heard that that had happened, then he confessed to murdering her. 
he said, yes, I'm, I'm guilty. I did it. Um, and wow. he, yeah, he went on to tell the police, yeah, I took her clothes off to make it look like a sex crime. Uh, and then I set fire to further destroy the evidence. Wow. So, yeah, he took them through all of it. And then he said he had gone over there to rob her. Um, I'm not sure whether the killing happened because it was just a struggle that they were having or because um, he had some kind of, you know, something out for her. It's not yeah. very clear. But either way, he did go there to rob her. Um, and he was thinking in his mind that um, he was going to be able to make up his rent money with what he stole from her apartment. Jeez. And in reality, after all of this, um, you know, stuff that happened after putting a butcher knife through this woman's chest, she was 47 years old. And after, you know, setting her on fire and her apartment on fire, he only managed to grab $30 uh, from her apartment in cash. So, no, he did not make his rent because even in the late 70s, <laughs> we know that rent was more than $30. So, no. um, yeah, but she was said also to not keep a lot of cash inside of her place. Very smart, mm -hmm. actually. Right. So, um, so, yeah, he was only able to get that. And then. He said he stole the rest of the jewelry to make up for the fact that he couldn't find any other cash. So he was mm. going to try to get money from the jewelry. But then Dum Dum goes and gives it to his girlfriend. So um, yeah. real smart. Uh, he's definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, so the end result of everything was that Alan, old Alan here, almost got away with everything when the initial trial was considered a mistrial. The jury was found hung because they didn't know what to go on. There was newspaper lines across the country saying, uh, you know, does, does ghost finger a killer? You know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So you can imagine, too, especially, I mean, even in today's, you know, even in 2023, that would still be a headline where people would be like, well, Am I supposed to believe this or, yeah. or what? Yeah. So, you know, back then it would have probably been even more outrageous. Um, yeah. So he almost got away with it. But not long after this time, when he was still in prison and awaiting a retrial, uh, some people said that um, the spirit of Teresa Bassa visited him in jail. And mm -hmm. not long after that, Alan would suddenly change his plea to guilty because he had taken it back. He had recanted his original statement. Um, oh, wow. And they say that, well, now the ghost visited him and now he's he's coming clean. But people who are skeptical say, well, also his lawyers were telling him that he was going to get a better deal if he agreed to go through with the plea, like he was mm. going to get out of jail sooner. Um, so again, that's definitely one of those questions that's lingering that's up for you to think about and decide. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, at, he was sentenced uh, to 14 years for robbery, arson and murder. But sadly, uh, he did get released in 
1983, only six years after her death. And he supposedly relocated back to New York State, where he was from originally. Mm -hmm. And I read multiple sources that said nobody really heard anything of him since like the early 2000s. Um, so he kind of just disappeared back into obscurity. So uh, who knows if he, you know, did this to anybody else, but it might have been just a one time crime of passion type of thing. It yeah. seems like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, this whole story um, you know, went on to kind of inspire a lot of things, like not only the Unsolved Mysteries episode, which um, for me is kind of iconic <laughs> for all us Unsolved Mystery fans out there, um, but it also inspired um, the 1996 television movie Voice from the Grave. Mm. Uh, I have never seen it, but who knows if it's any good, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you know how those TV miniseries go. They could go either way. Yeah. Um, especially in the late 90s. But uh, if anybody out there is interested, I haven't seen it myself. Um, but some other strange things with this case, at least um, three other Edgewater hospital employees apparently reported seeing the ghost of Teresita Bassa, but none of them wanted to come forward. Now, this was information, uh, yeah, that spooked me a lot, too. This was information that I pulled from the uh, If the Walls Could Talk podcast. Mm. Um, and they have a lot of interesting things on there. Um, uh, so it's interesting because it's that I read that um, in the Unsolved Mysteries episode that the uh, production team, they wanted to protect the identity of the Chua's. So they gave them a different name in mm. the episode. But why did they really need to do that? They didn't actually because um, the Chua's wrote their own book already in 1979, way before the Un Unsolved Mysteries episode ever aired. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, they, they co-wrote this book with their friend, um, Carol Mercado. And their their book was called, much like the uh, TV movie, it was called A Voice from the Grave. And it kind of gave their own account of everything that happened. So if you are interested in finding more about um, their side of the story and, and what happened with the possession and everything, uh, definitely check that book out, A Voice from mm -hmm. the Grave. Um, and I found out some other interesting information about um, when they were writing that book. Again, this is from the If the Walls Could Talk podcast. They said that the people that were working on the book at the time in 1979, they reported unusual activity at their offices, like mm -hmm. mis mysterious phone calls uh, happening and also notes flying around the room. So, um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> it kind of yeah. leads more to, you know, I mean, I wasn't going to be that skeptical skeptical anyway, to be honest with you, but it does kind of point me more in the direction of if those kind of things are happening and people are saying that, then, yeah, I, I really do believe that 
you know, her voice was coming from beyond the mm -hmm. grave. Why did she mm -hmm. chose this certain person to go through who wasn't really even a good friend of hers? I'm not sure, but it was interesting to note um, that I read one of the detectives that was on the case, Detective Statula was his name. Um, he was super skeptical um, being a detective and all, um, but then he was interviewed by um, a local Chicago publication about the whole story. And they said, well, why, why do you, uh, why are you putting stock in this story, this crazy story of a uh, possession happening? And he said, well, look, you've got to understand that um, I have interviewed tons of people, criminals, you know, uh, drug addicts, uh, all types of people that I have, you know, not a lot of reason to believe their stories a lot of the time. But he said, I had no reason not to believe this doctor and his wife, who were pretty affluent for the area that they lived in. And um, not even the affluence, but he said they were well-educated and, you know, they seem pretty shaken about everything that happened. So um, that's why he said he decided to kind of go along with all of this in the first place. Um, but then I also read that, <laughs> unfortunately for that detective, for years afterward, he kind of got pranked by his own department. And yeah, they, I could say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, him being a detective and all, they're like, ooh, believe in all this spooky stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so they would prank him by, um, you know, leaving him messages from dead people, uh, different cases, stuff like that. So I guess he kind of got bothered by that for more than a few years. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> um, but uh yeah it's interesting i mean to to this day a lot of facts about this case are still open-ended i feel especially with regard to the paranormal thing like i said i believe in it i buy it um but other people are not so concerned or not uh as convinced i should say yeah. um and i'll leave you with one spooky fact about the case um so teresita's remains were flown to the Philippines to be buried, uh, but the cemetery where she's said to be buried apparently doesn't exist. Mm. And that's also from the If the Walls Could Talk podcast. So I know I gave a lot of shout outs to that podcast today. Mm. I know that they're a newer podcast, so hopefully people will go and check them out. But um, that's where I got a lot of my information from. Also. The Unsolved Mysteries, Wikipedia, and um, uh, an article from Medium.com that was written kind of a, from a more skeptical point of view. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, that that is um, the story of Teresita Baca and how she, you know, solved her own case, basically, um, from beyond the grave. I think it can happen. I mean... There's oh, other yeah. accounts of stuff like this happening, so, you know. I want to say this is not, that's not even the first time that that has happened, because I know there was another yeah. story that happened, I want to say, what was it, the, the Green Briar Ghost? Is that what I'm thinking uh -huh. of? 
It sounds familiar. Yeah. We talked about it on Hollywood. We did talk podcast. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was almost the same concept where mm-hmm. this girl was murdered and she haunted, I want to say her mother or her mother-in-law mm-hmm. uh, saw the ghost and was able to testify for her, for the ghost in court, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, all I have to say is what I usually say to myself, stranger things have happened, you know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's beyond the possibility. And yeah. some people, some people were trying to say from some sources that I read uh, that Remy herself, um, she, because she worked in the same department and she knew Alan Showery, Showery um, that she didn't like him at all. And that mm. apparently he may have gotten her fired in some way. Um, mm. And I'm not sure what, what all happened there, but that's one theory that people who are skeptical like to say, well, she may have just happened to know some information that she wasn't supposed to know and she didn't know any other way to, um, she was afraid of Alan Showery in some way. So mm-hmm. uh, she had to come up with a story to to kind of get the information to the police. I mean, either way, she obviously had a humongous hand in solving a case that could have gone cold for years, you know. Yeah. Uh, they maybe would have never been able to find that out. But um, at the same time, why would you go to those lengths? I mean, un- unless, you know, you really wanted to, um, I don't know, kind of get like some kind of fame from it or notoriety yeah. or something like that. But yeah. I mean, I I don't know about you, but like I probably wouldn't just randomly say I was possessed by somebody just for the fun of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, there's a lot of risk there. Right. You know? Right. And yeah. You're pretty much not gonna be taken seriously, but that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, she did have a lot of details, you know. Yes. She so. did. She she had like perfect detail. And like I said, I'm not one to disbelieve in this in this time or place. But um, yeah, I I definitely think that she did get possessed. I mean, I, I believe that mm-hmm. spirits can talk through people. That's why I'm here. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I just wanted to share that story with everybody because I think it is definitely one of the creepier stories out there and um yeah if I ever make my way to the Philippines sure I would be interested to see if that cemetery doesn't actually exist or not um Mm -hmm. even creepier but poor Teresita I mean just by all accounts just a, a lovely woman who like at the time when she was murdered she was actually studying to get her uh her doctorate in music Uh, so, you know, and she was said to give piano lessons to the kids in her building or neighborhood, whatever. So, I mean, Mm. you know, she obviously didn't ask for any of this. So, um, at least she could find a conduit to, uh, to bring her, her murderer to, to justice. So, Mm. yeah, just, uh, that's my ghost tale out of Chicago for the day. (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, thank you. That was a great story. Of course. All right. Glad you liked it. Well, thank you. Um, Well, I guess I'll wrap up the episode. Um, So, yeah, thank you all also for listening uh, out there. Uh, Shout out to uh, Sarah, my friend, who I know listens to this uh, and everything. She at least tells me she listens. So, um, (laughs) you know, yeah. I feel like I should shout out her Instagram, though, because it's actually pretty in- interesting. Um, what is it called? Sarah Sarah Plans Reads. S-A-R-A-P-L-A-N-Z-R-E-A-D-Z. Sarah Plans Reads. And she does uh, Instagram, like, photos of books that she's read. And she does, like, little, um, like... Uh, reviews of the books and some of the books are pretty I learned about Grady Hendrix from her uh who is a wonderful horror writer um Mm -hmm. but yeah uh read books so are you reading are you reading any books right now me currently uh no I wish I could say I was um no I've been doing too much internet reading. Time to read a real book. But um. <laughs> uh, I do audio books because I don't really have the capability of sitting down and actually reading a book. I have to be doing like 10 things at the same time. Right, right, so I've been doing right. the, the audio books. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing one called How, How to Sell a Haunted House. And it's Ooh. by Grady Hendrix. Uh, it's pretty creepy. It's got like a uh, possessed dolls and puppets in it oh yeah (laughs) to say the least the last one i read by him was called my best friend's exorcism which uh was also an amazing book the movie i was not so great about i did see the movie it's not so yeah the book is better of course it is it always is um but yeah uh but yeah shout out to our listener (laughs) <laughs> um so yeah uh and shout out to everyone else if you're listening and um we appreciate you so let us know if you have any suggestions for stories you can email us at my weird little podcast at gmail.com write me on instagram at tia is the coolest or at my weird little podcast on instagram uh watch my tiktoks if you want to know what I wore for the day and you know <laughs> that's about it or you can I think you can message me on TikTok too I think that's a thing um <laughs> but yeah uh I hope you all have a great rest of your day uh stay hydrated uh drink water drink coffee um and uh stay spooky everyone Ooh.